Well, we just want to say, hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Today, we are blessed to be joined by Swish Goswami, a serial entrepreneur, three times TEDx speaker, CEO of TrueFan, an investor in FaZe Clan, and uh, clearly more achievements than we have time to touch on right now. (laughs) So how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Great. Pretty good. I mean, I wish we could just jump right in. Uh, One of the first things that we uh, wanted to kind of break the ice with was uh, when we were doing research, we noticed obviously Phase Clan was one of your investments and we just wanted to kind of know a little bit more about that. Uh, what's like the reasoning behind it and how does the investment kind of work about in that sense? Sure, yeah. I, uh, I had the opportunity to invest in Phase with my co-founder for TrueFan. Um, so the VC that we're both funded by is called Round 13 Capital. And Round 13 was actually looking at the Phase deal. And they didn't really know too much about esports, so they invited Onik and I to come in and give them kind of a lesson on esports, like a seminar on esports. And in the process of us doing that, they started to obviously understand the space more, started to understand whether this might be the right investment for them or not. And eventually, Round 13 actually decided to pass on the opportunity. But when they decided to pass on the opportunity, my co-founder Onik, who he's a much bigger esports fan than I am, he knows way more about the space than I do. But um, he's someone that you know is madly in love with video games. He's someone that really, really got me into Call of Duty as well. Um, he just said, "Hey, you know, like, is there a way that Swish and I potentially could invest?" And so, mm-hmm. round thirteen set up the intro to Greg, who at the time was Phase's president. Um, Greg had a quick call with us, really liked us, and we were able to put in a small check into the round that they were raising. So it was really, you know, out of chance, out of luck. Um, but, you know, it was also just out of kind of looking at the opportunities around you, trying to make the most of them. Well, yeah, making mm-hmm. like a, I guess, taking a passion and then trying to find ways to, I guess, profit exactly. out of those. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So one thing I also want to ask now that we're in it is... Um, You're a very busy guy, obviously. You have a lot of things to do. So we wanted to see, how do you stay on top of things? How do you stay organized? Like, what's your method for organizing what you have to do and your time in general? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's difficult. I think A is at the start of every week on a Sunday evening, I'll go through my calendar and I'll just make sure that, you know, I'm taking meetings that I absolutely need to take. Um, and I'm not, you know, taking meetings unnecessarily. So things that, you know, I feel I can just be pushed off to later on, I'll, I'll make sure I push it off. Um, and I'll just make sure that like my week is made up of stuff that I know I need to get done this week. Um, so that's number one. I think number two is just constantly staying very diligent on my calendar. Like, every, you know, at the end of every day, kind of going through my calendar, seeing what meetings did I take and just trying to get all my follow up work done right away, as opposed to waiting until the weekend for it to kind of pile up. Um, and then I think the third and final thing is trusting people, you know, for me, like I work with some great people, either at TrueFan um, or for, you know, speaking and all my brand deals. I work with Speaker Spotlight and the Spotlight Agency for the book that I wrote. I work with a, you know, really awesome publisher called Kogan Page out of the UK. You know, I've partnered up with organizations mainly to be able to do what I do um, so that, you know, in terms of speaking, for example, like I don't have to go and have a phone call and, chat with an event organizer, book flights, get a hotel, you know, if there was obviously no COVID, I would do that. Um, and then go up and speak, right? All I have to do now with the speakers bureau is they just tell me when I have to go, where I have to go. I go there, I do my talk, I come back and I'm done. 
all the logistics are handled by the bureau, which is why mm-hmm. it definitely makes it easier for me to be able to manage a company while doing things like speaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that obviously we've noticed as we did our research and things like that is that, I mean, you're a 23-year-old guy who has a lot of uh, things that he has to manage at the moment, right? And I feel like as like two 19-year-old guys ourselves, there's a lot of times that people have like, I guess, the talent or the skill base, but sometimes they just don't know how to get started or they get started and then they kind of fall off and they face a bit of a dip and then they kind of push back and retreat and don't really uh, persevere. Um, when we did our research, we, we saw like you talk to Gary Vee and you talk to all these different mentors. Uh, how do you think that, I guess, uh, shaped the way that you go around your work ethic nowadays? I mean, I think it it just helps, you know, like having a good, strong network around you, I think is important. Um, and like you mentioned, like being able to talk to people like Gary or even in Canada for me, like some of our investors do include, you know, Michael Hyatt from Blue Cat Networks or Jason Robbins from DraftKings or Michelle Romanoff from ClearBank. Like these people operate at such a high level. Their mindset, you know, the way they view the world is just incredibly different from the average person. Um, and it definitely is inspiring and it kind of rubs off on you for sure. So I, I think that's something that I, I try to kind of live by, just making sure that, you know, I'm looking around and I'm saying, okay, am I surrounding myself with people that are dreaming big, trying to do things, you know, differently, um, and are just really smart, generous, kind people. And sometimes I think it's a lot to ask for, especially in the United States. I, I really had a hard time finding those people in the States, not going to lie. But in Canada, I think just weirdly enough, given the fact that we're, always in the shadow of the states i find that some of the top creatives entrepreneurs in canada are also some of the most humble people weirdly enough um and i just like being in canada you know i think it, i think it's interesting that i feel like this is a prime example of that i guess like creators that have already accomplished a little bit uh like to a certain extent much more than we have and kind of helping us out here by being a part of this podcast and there's something interesting as well that i remember looking at that was a term i think uh someone in your family used called Udvasha that was kind of like finding your purpose and uh, building off of that. And uh, when you mentioned that, sometimes it's it, it's like a bit of a journey, I guess, to, to find that and having the right people to kind of guide you through that is, is essential, I believe, you know? Totally. No, totally. And I think just, again, having the right support network to be able to do that is so great. Um, I know there are a lot of people, obviously, that don't have the ability to follow their passion or to be able to even think about what their passion is, right? There are a lot of people that I know are just forced into a career path because of obligations. And um, I understand that that is a reality for many people. Um, And obviously, one of the things I do try to do when I speak is to try to say, okay, even if that's a reality for you, um, is there a way that in today's world, given that you know we're all at home, given the fact that most of us are working from home and especially working digitally, is there a way you can carve out time to at least think about your passion, think about what you actually want to do um, between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., for example, as opposed to thinking about it as a 9 to 5 right away? And on that topic, like, I feel like a lot of people, myself personally included, <laughs> um in university right now kind of go through that of you know is this actually what i'm very interested in is this what i want to do and you know it's true to follow your passion and do what you enjoy but what advice do you have for people between like differentiating your passions from like maybe something that you're interested in like how do you define what 
constitutes a passion or rather oh i enjoyed doing this on the weekends but i don't know where do you draw that line yeah i mean for me like there's a difference between a passion and a hobby and i think a hobby is something that you're interested in it gets your mind off things but it's not something that you can make of career path um and again in today's world as we as you know this younger generation is coming up more importantly and more importantly as the internet continues to evolve we're starting to see fewer and fewer hobbies not being able to be turned into a passion. You know, yeah. like who would have thought 20 years ago that gaming would have been something that you could have made millions of dollars off, but it absolutely is now. Um, so that's kind of the way I define it. It's just, I think, you know, for me, there are certain things that are hobbies for me, like, you know, playing, playing Pokemon, for example, playing Call of Duty, like really kind of weird nerdy stuff like that. You know, I just know I'm not going to be the best at it. So I don't really think of it as a passion. But then there are other stuff like, you know, you know, films, for example, like watching Bollywood and Hollywood movies and like looking at the behind the scenes videos for them and like really looking at the director's cut. Like I know that right now, obviously, I'm not doing anything around entertainment, but I know that it's a hobby that easily could be turned into a passion if I really wanted to devote more time to like screenwriting or direction, go to school for it, etc. So for, for me, your passion is something that you can make into a viable career path. I don't believe that you have one singular passion in the world. I do think, however, that at any given time, it is important to manage a core passion and then to have some ancillary passions around it. So for me, like my core passion right now is obviously true fan. And, you know, without doing well at true fan, all my ancillary passions, whether it's writing a book on entrepreneurship, speaking about entrepreneurship, doing a podcast on tech, all of those other things fall apart which makes me only want to focus more on my core passion more and more so that the ancillary kind of passions do well and continue to stay healthy as well. I mean, uh, one thing that I need to stop saying that, uh, now that we're talking about this, I feel like just to give a bit of a preface to the listeners as well. Um, could you explain a little bit more what true fan is so that maybe they can check it out on their own and they can understand a little bit more about it? Sure. Um, so essentially, we're a platform that helps any brand or influencer generate, segment, and activate first and third-party data. Um, essentially, if you're a brand that wants to analyze your audience on Instagram or Twitter, you can come onto our platform, you can upload your audience, and you'll be able to go and find people on a very granular basis. So you could find people that are between the ages of you know, 10 and 20 that have between 15,000 and 30,000 followers that are based in Nashville that love the Raptors and have vegan in their bio and follow you. And you can get that granular and find all those people that meet that criteria. I don't know how many there will be. There probably won't be one. Um, and you can find those people and then engage with them directly. That's the third party data side. The first party data side that we just added on was being able to actually help brands generate first party data. the so information that they collect directly from their customers in a GDPR and CCPA compliant manner. So that if a brand wants to be able to not just leverage Instagram or Twitter to reach their audience, but wanted to be able to reach their 20,000, 2 million, 20 million followers across email, or across, you know, text or direct mail, they can do that as well because they have that information to be able to retarget their followers wherever and whenever they want. That's the type of data we're able to generate for them. Um, and that's something that we're very excited about because that's where we generally think the industry is as it is going is more towards first party data. So it's not like every, mm -hmm. anybody's dependent on a specific platform to like succeed, I would say. Exactly. So people actually have ownership over their audience. And on the flip side, as a consumer, 
the way that we go about generating first party data um, is by making sure that consumers are opting in um, to being able to get a reward or an incentive in exchange for their data. So it's similar to how modern day kind of giveaways are working right now on Instagram. Yeah. Normally what we do is we run a giveaway on our platform. The brand, for example, will give away a bundle. They'll give away an Amazon gift card, whatever it is. They'll give away something of value. They'll promote it to their followers. Their followers will come on and in exchange of entering the giveaway, they'll give up certain pieces of information about themselves. Um, and we find that that is the future where data collection is going, is that every form of data collection going forward needs to be a value exchange. I think long gone are the days where people generate data by scraping the internet um, or by you know finding erroneous ways to be able to get consumer data without people knowing. That's something mm -hmm. that we don't stand for and it's not something we think where, where the world is going. You know, I think that's interesting because uh, I was actually listening to like a podcast a few days ago. Uh, it's the TMG podcast. It's more like a comedy podcast, but they touched upon this kind of how like entertainment is a bit changing nowadays with people. I mean, it started with, I think like Twitch people kind of subscribe to each specific content creator and then they only provide like financial support to that. So in a couple of years with platforms like TrueFan and things like that, it's going to be like all these niches, I think, kind of encapsulated into different ones. And then everybody's going to be like a content creator on their own, but they're not going to have to be reliant on like YouTube or uh, like Twitch or Instagram or anything like that because they already have that data and they have that small community that they can connect with. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, on the, like, moving a little bit away from TrueFan, and um, we were talking about that as your, like, main passion, your core passion. I just wanted to ask, with all that you've accomplished and done so early in your life, what would you say is like your biggest drive, your incentive? Like, is it just the success that rewards you or what's your, what drives you? I mean, there's a number of factors. I think number one is definitely um, being able to support the people around me. It's a big passion of mine as it is, whether it's my mom, my friends, my brother. Um, I want to be able to make sure that as they grow older, I'm there for them. Um, I'm able to do things for them, et cetera, et cetera. I think number two is just, again, a personal motivation around the areas that I'm working in and kind of this desire to do well within them, to continue to, I guess, succeed within them so that when it's all said and done, I can look back at what I've done and think, okay, I had a positive impact on the world. And that is something that is very important to me. And, you know, I'm not going to look back and, and have to reflect, I think, for some time. I, I do envision having a fairly long career. But um, that being said, I think it's still important to be able to start early in terms of being able to make the right steps and the right thing, do the right things early on. And I think third and, and kind of probably last is just, you know, I, I don't know what else I'd be doing really. Like, I think I've just been blessed with this opportunity to have, you know, a mom, for example, that allowed me to drop out of school and not go into a full-time job. Um, and I just think now that I've been blessed with this opportunity to be able to, you know, do what I want whenever I want, um, I just have, kind of an obligation to make sure that I wake up, work hard, um, especially for a team now that's, you know, 26 people, like it's not a joke anymore, right? It's, it's serious. It's real work. Um, people's jobs are kind of even like, you know, at, at stake here, if you will. And again, it's not all on me, thankfully. We are a team of 26 people, but I just have to do my part in terms of showing up each morning, each day, and making sure that I do my part to be able to move the company forward. 
Mm-hmm. Now that we've touched upon as well on like uh, this opportunity that you have now to work with a lot of people uh, through TrueFan, in your early stages in your career, what do you would you say was like, I guess like an, the biggest influential opportunity you received? Like, what was like a tipping point from like you know aspiring to do something to now being like, okay, this is like, like this is serious. Now I'm really dipping my toe in the water and like I'm gonna dedicate to this. I think it was in second year of college. I got a Instagram DM from Trevor Booker, who at the time played for the Brooklyn Nets. And he wanted to meet me. He also took me to a Raptors game right after. They, they actually kicked the Raptors' ass, which was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> this was back when we weren't very good. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, you know, he, he offered me a job to come and work with him as a, as a VC. So I, I worked at J.B. Fitzgerald for the summer after my second year. And being in New York City kind of just changed my entire outlook around, like, what the word hustle means or what the word dreaming big means because everything in New York is done at just a bigger and grander level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also taught me just what type of person I wanted to be as well. I think growing up, I always used to be like, yeah, the biggest cities are going to always attract me. And for me, I, I went to New York and I enjoyed my experiences there. I enjoyed working with not only JB Fitzgerald, but then also being a co-founder for Dunk with my roommate, Elliot. I enjoyed my experiences there, but it definitely taught me that I required some level of balance as well in terms of picking a place where my friends are and also picking a place that I'm just comfortable with. So I felt like New York was a little bit too big for me. Um, I felt like Vancouver, places like LA are a little bit too small for me, too spread out. And that's again why Toronto for me just became like the perfect city. So that's another thing I was able to kind of find out about myself that I think again was a kind of tipping point for me in terms of figuring out not only what I wanted to do, but where I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Let's go Toronto. And, yeah, <laughs> Toronto ad. Um, along these lines of like, um, like, n- yeah, obviously in New York and these kind of places, it's notorious for being, you know, the center of the world where everything happens. Everything's at a higher scale. And with this whole idea of like hustling and everything's done so much m- more there. What do you think about this whole the whole idea of hustle culture and like working 24 seven and in many cases that leads to burnout. How do you avoid burnout and take time to like care for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I'm not the best person to ask about that. I, I don't endorse hustle, hustle culture or whatever. Like I, I tell people to work hard, which I think you obviously should. Like, I don't think things today, especially how competitive certain industries are, you don't get things just by waiting around and hoping things happen. You, a lot of times have to go out and try to get what you want. Um, so, so for me, I do endorse that. But again, like, you know, I think when I started true fan, I was off the mentality that, Oh, I could, I could pull all nighters. It's no problem. It's not going to catch up to me. And I'm still, I'm still 23, but I, I've started to already see some of the direct effects of like, Oh my God, like, you know, last June, for example, last July, I literally burnt out and it was to the point where I had to go back to Calgary and just spend a month there and really just to recharge my batteries you know, mm-hmm. kind of stay low key, get off social media because I just was feeling exhausted mentally every time I woke up. So mm-hmm. that's something that can happen to anyone. Um, it's real. So you want to really make sure that you're you're really focusing your time and your energy every day on certain things and not trying to do either do too much or stretch yourself too thin. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like now more than ever, I'm kind of in this comfortable space where I've kind of figured things out well. Um, but yeah, like that being said, again, I, I, I don't know if I have like direct tips for people on how not to burn out past just 
you know, you need to have that mindset that every single day, wake up, write down two to three things you want to get done. Once you do them, go to bed. Like you, you got to rejoice and celebrate the small wins. You can't think that, oh, I'm going to move the entire needle every single day um, because that's not something that is practical. And more importantly, when you come up short, you're only going to beat yourself up more, which is going to compound over time and really harm your mental health. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's something that a lot of, I, I, I can only speak from experience like university, I guess, business school students have. Like when they come into university, they're like, oh, I'm going to change the world. Like I'm going to make the next Facebook, the next Twitter. And then and then they like they realize that it's it's a little bit harder than that. And even when we were to, like uh, researching you to, to get ready for this uh, interview, uh, we were like motivated, we were, like pumped. We were like, oh, I'm going to run through a brick wall and like, you know, we wanted to make that theme around that, like the whole hustle culture and being completely inspired no matter what. But, you know, university kids and everybody for that matter gets like stagnant at some point. So um, they feel like they haven't really progressed in any way. So over your a career, have you ever felt like, I guess that's situation, like as if like you're um, working hard towards something, but like, you know, the, the, the fruits of that, uh, hustle is like are a little bit more delayed in that sense. Yeah. I mean, true fan, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you, you have days for sure where, Oh, there's a press release that goes out. We fundraised or we acquired a company or we locked down a big client or we locked down a big hire. But again, those happen like every maybe four five, six weeks. Like they don't happen every day for sure. Yeah. Um, and so throughout the period of building true fan, I've just realized just how important celebrating small wins are which means, you know, any sort of small movement that we make, you know, today, for example, if I move the needle a little bit, just a little bit on coming up with a unified product and unified brand that we need to deploy across our two products by April. If I, if I even move the needle a little bit, whether it's setting up a conversation that brings the right stakeholders together to have a really good action plan, or whether it even comes up with, you know, potentially working with a partner, vetting them, interviewing them, and then having a proposal ready to show our exec team, that's something I see as a win. And I celebrate that. And I make sure to not let that just, you know, be like a, a normal thing in my brain that, that I'm used to. So that helps. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely do see, you know, building true fan as this kind of thing of like every single day I'm going to be putting in work. And a lot of times that work is going to go, you know, not unnoticed. I think that's probably the wrong word. I'm having a hard time thinking about what the right word is, but it's more of just, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to not feel significant at the time, I guess. But over time, you know, especially after a year or two, three, four, five years goes by, um, I'm going to be able to look back and say, whoa, like there were some key decisions that I made. There were some key things that I did with my team that really helped us put us in a, in a good position, whether it's one day growing into a big behemoth that we really want to do, um, IPOing or even selling the company one day. I, I, I have all the faith that we can do that. As long as, again, you know, right now we look at every single day as just an opportunity to push a little bit ahead um, and to celebrate a small win, which I'm always looking for. It's like a, like atomic mm-hmm. actions that you slowly put in. And then it just yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's just true in life in general. It's like I think the most simple analogy is working out, right? Like you don't see results right away. Um, it's just, it's a, pro- it's a process. And even when you do start to get bigger, it's like you got to maintain that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you got you to make sure you don't slip back down. So I find that like just human analogies tend to help as well. Like it, it's kind of baked into our, our psyche. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Throughout, throughout quarantine, I feel like I've gone out of shape and into shape like three times already. 
Um, on that, I think it's a good transition with, you know, slowly pushing the needle just a little bit every single day. And then eventually you'll be able to look back and say, wow, you know, we actually moved it quite away. And uh, we did this and like all this talk about maybe further than line IPOs and selling the company. And apologies if this is a big question, but um, we just want to ask with all you're doing with TrueFan and everything else. At the end of the day, if you can leave one legacy on Earth or be remembered for one thing, what do you think it would be? Yeah, I don't know if I figured that one out yet. I think <laughs> the number of things that I've definitely thought a little bit about, like, you know, I want to obviously build TrueFan and grow it and kind of the next phase of my life, I want that to be within entertainment. So within um, screenwriting or direction and telling stories of people that, in my opinion, are... Um, that are underrepresented, um, that are, are, you know, that they've had their voices stifled for some reason and, and making sure that I'm able to get that across. Um, I, I think obviously there's a big movement towards that right now, but I find that a lot of movies that are based on underrepresented voices are just insanely cliche and cringy. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think they actually are like, they're, they're kind of money grabs and PR grabs. They're not actually authentic in my opinion. So I want to make sure that I do that. And whether that's even putting some of my money to support directors from minority communities that's something i'd want to want to do as well um and then the kind of the third phase of my life that i i, I see is, is politics you know i'm still interested in it i've been obsessed about it since i was 12 years old i obviously debated in junior high and high school at a fairly high level and politics was something that i i wanted to do but i felt like doing it right away after high school is probably dumb and, and not ideal especially in yeah. today's political climate um but I, I see that as another phase of my life as well so I think that answer to kind of answer your question of like, what do I want to be known for is going to be a culmination of those three things put together. And if there is a silver lining between all three, it's well, what Swish really wanted to do was take a look at some of, you know, some of the biggest problems in the world, whether right now it's around data acquisition and consumer privacy, or whether down the road it's among minority voices being unheard or being stifled on or in politics, perhaps it'll be more around a universal basic income, which I really believe in. Um, there's certain policies, certain ideas that I hope will all fall into one thread that I can be known for later on. But I, I don't stress myself too much on stuff like that. I don't think about it too much um, because again, there is so much stuff to do still, especially in kind of this first phase. I'm, I'm still obviously very early within it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do think it'll probably be something that is a common thread across the three phases. Well said. <laughs> I mean, well, well. Um, I mean, I feel like that's around all, about all the time that we have for today's interview. But uh, we wanted to thank you once again, uh, Swish, for being part of today's podcast. And uh, if there's anything that you would like to, I guess, address to the audience, maybe like plug True Fan or any other projects that you have going on, like you're more than welcome to do so as well. Yeah, no, I'm uh, very happy to be here. Um, if you are interested in TrueFan, reach out to uh, TrueFan.io. Um, we do have a couple of positions open, actually. Right now, we're hiring for a performance marketing manager, a copywriter, a customer success specialist, a BDR, a senior developer. So um, if you are looking for a job, um, we are hiring these positions remotely. You can be anywhere in North America. Um, feel free to kind of reach out and apply on our website. Um, and if you have any questions for me personally, you can reach out me on linkedin um it's just swish Swami. i hopefully i'm the only swish in your linkedin network 
Um, <laughs> and you can reach out to me and just say you listen to this podcast and I'm trying to stay as responsive as I can to people that are, are reaching out. You heard it here first, folks. Truefan.io. Go check him out and find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, everywhere else. And have a wonderful rest of your day.